Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right. How you guys doing? Yes. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? We're in a series. Revival starts within. Anybody know how many weeks, what week we're in? Week number eight. Yes. You passed the test like one of you did. Um, I hope this series has been good and encouraging for you. I mean, I, curious, has this been helpful for some of you, anyone? Okay, good. Um, i super encouraged now that this has really, really been good for everybody. Um, so this one's going to be as good as the previous seven. Uh, we've been talking about the ways... We've been talking about the ways and the rhythms of people who long for more of God because I hope you want more of God. I hope you long for more of him. And today I want to talk about something that's critical to this whole conversation, but it's not as practical as some of the things we've been talking about. We've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about worship. We've been talking about Sabbath and solitude. We've been talking about things like this. Today it's a little bit deeper, if you will, from, a, from the uh, standpoint of I want to talk about some things that are going on within us, and we don't, the, especially the things that we don't really talk about much with others. Because a lot of us, and it's perfect that we talk about Alpha today, but a lot of us still have questions about life. We have questions about faith. We have fear. We have shame. We have all these things going on within us that are very difficult to come out. So if we're going to talk about revival starts within, there's other stuff going on within us. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And, and it's often those things that actually keep us from moving forward spiritually. I have a picture that I'll show us to kind of get us started. And uh, when you Google, it's kind of a weird picture, but when you Google search puzzle pieces flying around a person, this is what comes up. And so uh, I found it. I didn't know if it existed, but it did. And, and here's, here's why I start with this picture. I, I think within us we have this ever-growing puzzle uh, that we are trying to put together about life that we're constantly pulling the pieces together about the things we believe, about the things that we, we, uh, we, we wonder about when it comes to not only our faith questions, but life questions, right? What do we believe about certain policy or certain social issues? And, and everybody's got to have an opinion, and it's like we're pulling together this, this puzzle that we need to make, not to, to mention the decisions that are so difficult to make throughout life. And, you know, I recently did have a conversation with a friend, and it reminded me, that there are, that this is what's going on within so many of us. And for some of this is very much at the forefront of our life. Like we're like in the midst of questions and we're like trying to pull them together. And for others of us, it's more in the background. It's like, it's, it's going on, but we're quietly building it in the background. It's not at the forefront of our mind, but it's always there as we talk about matters of destiny and life and meaning and, you know, um, when this friend was sharing her story with me recently, she kind of just shared that, you know, for years she had been going to church and it really seemed that she was putting her life together and that she was putting all the things on that really felt like she had figured out a lot of these big pieces, right? Um, she started getting involved in church, started on the outside putting on, if you will, the church clothes and, and kind of getting in, kind of pulled into the flow of church life. But really underneath all of that, there is these monumental questions about, do I even believe all this stuff? And I think maybe the best way to say it is, there's a lot of people that are in that boat, by the way, and they have a genuine desire to know God, but underneath it, 
they struggle with it all at the same time. And, and when I say that, I don't mean necessarily belief. Maybe you're like, I got the belief thing down. But just the whole, like, how much, you know, what does this whole idea of I need more of God look like, a revival? And so the best way to say it is I think a lot of us, if we're honest internally, we feel further away from revival and closer to confusion. Are you with me? For a lot of us, I think we feel further away from revival and closer to confusion. And if it feels like already, as a few minutes into this, I'm reading your mail, I'm talking and, and, and talking directly to you, just listen. We've been praying that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to some people. So it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. If you already are feeling like, okay, yeah, this is kind of me. We're trying to put the pieces together of our life. And if we're going to start somewhere, I figure it's best to start at the beginning, right? So let's talk about the fact of that God created us. Genesis 1, God created us, right? And which... That statement in and of itself, I know for some people that's a difficult one because they're like, did God? I mean, is there really a creator? And so we have to ask ourselves, well, where, where did we come from? Well, Tim, I don't know if you know this, but there was this moment. There was nothing. And then a big bang happened. And, and I always have thought about that. Well, where did nothing come from? And when did nothing say to itself, let's do something? But nonetheless, if we started with the, just, just an assumption for some of you that God created us. I think it's interesting to look at the progression of creation. I'm not going to read it because it's very long, but Genesis chapter 1, you see this progression occur, right? God starts to create vague, big things. Uh, light, sky, air, right? It's like vague. And then things get a little more complicated, a little more arranged, don't they? And then he creates a land, and he creates vegetation. Things get a little more complicated and arranged and intelligent, and he creates seed-bearing plants, and things get even, so like the world is just getting more and more detailed and arranged and complicated. Then he gets to this point where he's, comp, again, I'm going to create animals. And so he creates, what does he create? He creates cats. And things get a little more complicated, arranged, and intelligent. He creates dogs. And, <laughs> yes. And then, <clears throat> and then he goes, okay, I'm going to create, I'm going to get even more complicated. And I'm going to create man. And then he gets more complicated and intelligent and, and arranged and creates Eve, right? And, and so this like this whole order of things. And here's the thing, women, you can always look at the men and say, I believe you were created <laughs> first. <laughs> things are a little more complicated and arranged and intelligent, yes, but they, women, you are maybe more complicated. So and nonetheless, God creates life. It was good, right? We see this creation, this order that he has. He creates the cosmos. He creates the universe. He creates the galaxy. And inside of that, we have this understanding that, wow, Earth is just, it's just a speck in his creation. And we are just a speck of dust on that speck. And in that moment, you can be like, just, it kind of blows your mind about how big God is. But yet he's given us, even as small as we are, this huge ability to explore the vast bigness of his creation. Isn't that what human progress is all about? exploring the creation of God. We are so small, yet he deposited in us this bigness of God. And I just want to show you where that comes from. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, say it with me, in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When God created us, he created us to reflect his image. We are not God, of course. We are a reflection of God. We are not the fullness of God. However, we are a reflection of God. And this creation account, if you want to look at it throughout this whole expansive, complicated, and infinitely outstanding creation, there is one thing that he created to reflect himself. It's us. So if there's anyone that understands all that's going on within you and the swirling puzzle pieces that fly around you, if there's anyone that understands it, wouldn't it be the one who created you? And so we must begin this conversation with the reality that God created and because he created you, he actually understands you. He understands that you may feel far from revival, yet you're here And you're open and you're curious for more. He understands the tension of that. There's a verse in Philippians 1.6 that says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I love this verse. And this verse does pull us back to the picture of creation, that he who began a good work, the work that he started in you, when he created you, he began something in you. When he began that good work, he's going to, He's got plans in mind. He's going, to, he's, he's going to carry it on to completion. Philippians 1.6 is all about a promise, by the way. God is promising us something. He started a good work. He's going to complete it. This sounds like a promise. So perhaps we can say it this way. And I'm just going to throw a thought on screen that we'll start to kind of explore. That God pulls us into who he originally created us to be. That there's a plan that he started with. And he's going to pull us into that plan. There's a concept that kind of goes along with this that I'm going to teach you today in case you've never heard of it. It's called eschatological realism. (laughs) Eschatology, eschatology is the belief or the religious doctrine of the things that are to come. So the future, the whole religious doctrine of eschatology is about what is to happen in the future. Eschatological realism is the doctrine of what is to come come in relationship to reality. So, what it means, God is up to something with your life, the reality of your life, what's going on within you. He's created you and he understands you, right? And he's going to complete something, a good work that he started within you. He's actually got a plan for the future, for you in relationship to where you are and all that's happened to you. I know when you woke up this morning, you were hoping Tim would talk about eschatological realism. Heck yeah, we are. We're going to talk about this. In fact, let's just, te- everybody say eschatological. Now say eschatological realism. You guys sound very smart. Let's think of it this way. And I'm going to try and write with a mic in my hand. This should be quite amusing for you. All right, my friends. So let's just say, Man, this is difficult. That we all have, now forgive me, a past, right? Actually, I'm just going to have a helper. This will be so much easier. Chad, do you want to help me? All right, dude. So here's the thing. Um, When you go to big churches, they have like prop teams. When you come to OKC Community, we have duct tape and paper. Um, Would you just stick that on that music stand right there? Just hang it right there. We all have a past. And uh, a lot of us, with that past, 
we, when we try and talk about our past, it's a difficult thing to talk about because there's a lot of things that have happened in our past that are hard to explain. and hard. There's things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done. There's choices we made that we wish we hadn't made. And, and there's things that we wish would have never happened. And then we all have a past, but then come over here, Chad. Would you do something else for me? Would you smell that for me? Oh, <laughs> the joy of the Lord. <laughs> all right, would you, just, would you just write future on that? Would you write future on that? <laughs> He didn't. He said no. Just write future and then stick that, um, move that music stand right over there and stick that on that. Yeah. And we all have a future, right? So here's the thing. If we all have a past and we all have a future and we have a past that sometimes we do anything to erase that past, right? Anything that we could do. And some of us actually, so there's a, there's a hardship in our past, but then there's also this, some of us live in our past like the glory of our past, the mountaintop experience. I have friends who, it's never going to get better than 2002. You know what I mean? And they do all they can to get back to that moment. And so there's this, this past that sometimes can define us. Anybody ever, we've heard this. Past can sometimes define our present and our future, can't it? Thank you, Chad. Give him a hand. Don't take my tape. In a certain degree, our, pra- our past propels us into our future. There's no doubt. But going back to the statement on the screen that God, God is going to, uh, pull us into who he originally created us to be. He wants to complete a good work that he started. And so if we're talking about this verse, Philippians 1.6, that he's got a good work that he's going to start or that he's going to finish, this sounds like a promise, doesn't it? And, and if we were going to talk about a promise, that there's a promise of something that's going to happen in the future, let's just talk about what is a promise. Let's just say you made a promise to a friend. Let's just say you made a promise to a friend to meet them on Friday night at 9.30 p.m. at Burger King. Now, I've told you about this thing. You shouldn't go to Burger King, but you keep going. I don't know why, but you're going to Burger King. It's 9.30 on Friday. Here's the thing. This is a promise that you said, I'm going to be there in the future. And then you look at them and they say, you you better be there or be square. You do and say really strange things. I'm really glad this story is about you and not me. So anyway, you're going to Burger King, and that promise at 9.30 in the future on Friday night, that promise pulls you into that reality, does it not? You've made a promise that's going to pull you into a reality in the future. So what if, just play with me for a second, what if God says, you know what, the good work that I started in you, I'm going to carry it on to completion. And sure, you have a past, and that past matters, and, it, and I care about that past. In fact, I created you, and I understand your past. And everything that's happened to you, oh, yeah, I'm going to use it to propel you because it all matters to who you are. But I have a promise of something I'm going to complete, and I'm actually going to carry it on to completion. And I'm going to pull you in to who I originally created you to be. And he's going to pull us into a future that perhaps we didn't see coming. And see, this is what the promise of God is about, right? And I would have moonwalked across that stage if I knew how to moonwalk because I want you guys to experience this transition from a past and a present that sometimes defines us and keeps us grounded in the sea of sameness into a future where God has more for you than you could ever imagine. You see, God cares about you, but what if that future... That one you have all these questions about, the one where those puzzle pieces are actually flying in the area. What if that future is actually the good work that God wants to complete? What if not only he has more for you, what if the future is bigger than anything you ever thought of? And I don't mean bigger in terms of grander, more worldly things. I mean bigger in terms of spiritual breakthrough. You see, here's what I want you to know today. 
I want you to know that God cares. Okay? But I really want you to let that sink in for just a moment. The amazing thought that God cares about you. And most of us would say, well, of course, he, he cares for all the little children in the world, Tim. Listen, for real, if you're like me, sometimes I can feel like a speck on a speck. And I can feel very small. In fact, God's creation can even make me feel very small. But when I see that he created us uniquely and that he actually said that it's you and I that are created in his image. And that he has made some sort of promise to pull us into something that we don't even really know anything about other than it's better than we could ever do on our own. I come to the inevitable conclusion that God must care about me. And, I, and, and you should come to the inevitable and incredible conclusion that God cares about you. And he cares about who you're becoming. He cares about the things you do and you don't do. Sometimes people want to say, Dad doesn't really care what I do. I mean, he, you know, as long as you get saved, you know, whatever. God cares about the things you do and don't do. God cares so much that he created rhythms and ways in life. Things like rest and Sabbath because he cares so much about you that he doesn't want you to just work and stress your whole life. He cares about you so much that he created ways and rhythms like prayer to where he can build intimacy with you, where you can actually have God's presence in your life every day. You know, he cares about you so much that he created prayer for you. He didn't create prayer for himself. He created it for you so that you can be guided through the struggles and the challenges of life, so that you can have his presence with you, before you, and around you. You see, he cares about your past. He cares about your present And he has more for you in store in your future. And some believers say, yeah, 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 I get all that. And so good, you know, God's promises are true. And someday those promises are all going to come true. When we all get to heaven, that's what they do, right? And so there's this reality that all things will be made complete and whole when we get to heaven. And certainly there's no doubt about the fact that complete restoration comes when we get to heaven. However, there's this promise that we can actually taste and see in the here and now. There's actually these promises that are all throughout Scripture that talk about heaven on earth. In fact, Jesus prayed in Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there are glimpses, tastes, and breakthroughs and destinies that we experience in the here and now that we get to experience heaven on earth. And this can be your revival. A heart renewed and set on him. One where the puzzle pieces aren't swirling in the same way. We don't have to live in our past trying to make sense of it like we think we do. There is a measure of that we can trust God, trust that he understands us, and that he cares about everything in our life. And that he has made a promise to carry out a good work that he started in us. You know, I love the story in Mark chapter 9 that a lot of us over the last year have kind of connected with for a lot of reasons. But I think that I just want us to keep sitting in this story, but it's a story of a father and his young son, and the father brings his son who's possessed by an evil spirit to Jesus. And I'm just going to read, starting in verse 20 of Mark chapter 9. And it says this, Jesus said, bring the boy to me. So they brought him in, and when the spirit saw Jesus, 
it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. So this is like weird stuff, right? Crazy stuff. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him to a fire or water to kill him. And then the father says these words. He says, but if you can, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then I want you to imagine this moment. Jesus is not correcting him. Jesus is putting his hand on his hand in this moment. And he says, if you can, Jesus replied. He looks at the father and says, everything is possible for the one who believes. Sometimes we read the Bible as always corrective. What if you read it that he actually cares about you? That thing that just can't get fixed, that thing that just keeps haunting you, the past that you can't get over, what if he's putting his hand on your hand and saying, I understand everything's possible for the one who believes. The story goes like this. When, then, when Jesus saw, or, and, and, I'm sorry, I missed the, the best part. And verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. What do you think Jesus does? Do you think he says, well, until you get all that unbelief taken care of, you don't need anything from me. No, he says, when Jesus saw the crowd was running at the, to the scene, Jesus rebuked the impure spirit. The, he says, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, ah, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to the feet, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive him out? Because before I started reason, they had tried and had been unsuccessful. And he replied, this kind can only come or can come out only by prayer and fasting, which I love that last line. Jesus says, you want to see the power of God, not just the power of yourself. There's going to be some prayer and fasting involved. So much to talk about from the story, but I'll just zero in on verse 23 and 24. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. This describes so many people today. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And I'm trying to tell you that God cares. God understands that that's where so many of you are. But I want you to make no doubt about it. God wants you to overcome those doubts. He wants you to increase your levels of faith. Doubt is not to be cherished. Doubt is to be walked through. How, I mentioned a few weeks ago, but how many of you know that God is big enough for your questions? How many of you guys know that, right? God is big enough for your questions. We sang a song uh, past this last past Wednesday night uh, called Bigger Than I Thought. And I'll just put the second verse in the chorus on the screen. Listen, listen to these words. Oh, they're so good. I believe, oh, this sounds familiar. I wonder where they got these lyrics. I believe, but help me, but help my unbelief. You understand me. You understand me. 
I love this line. Help me reach the faith that's underneath. You understand me. You understand me. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. I'll stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Sometimes we don't think God can handle what's going on within us. Like, I can't take that to God. He'll just get mad at me. He won't understand this. How many of you know that God is big enough for your questions? Some of you are trying to put the pieces together. Internally, within ourselves, we've struggled with questions, doubts, and fears. And listen, I just, I mean, again, he understands. And just like Jesus looked at that father and understood where he was, he understands where you are. And I do know that a lot of us have been doing the church thing for a while. You've been trying to do the right thing in your life. You've been trying to experience more of God, and, and you're just trying to pull the pieces together. But you come in here, and it's just like Scott mentioned about his sister. Like, there's this, still all these gaps when it comes to faith. And you just haven't put the pieces together. So I just want to ask you a direct question today. And it's about your relationship with Jesus. Is there a time in your life when you took all these swirling questions, doubts, struggles, your past, and your desires for good, and even your desire for God? Is there a moment where you took all that and you surrendered it to Jesus? Do you have a moment in your life, a moment of surrender? where your life came under the lordship of Jesus. Whenever you said, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. I want you more than anything else. I remember as a teenager walking through a year, personally, of struggling with doubts and beliefs, and I didn't have peace. I didn't have peace about even my eternity. Anybody ever think about their eternity? Like, I mean... Where am I going? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, there's that whole thing. I get it. I remember struggling with that. I struggled with the fact that I had spiritual. This is really important. I had spiritual memories and moments in my life. That I had been, I mean, I had been baptized when I was seven years old. But at 15, I had more questions about that moment than I did peace. And here's what I came to realize, that spiritual moments and memories are important, but they don't necessarily define a moment of surrender. Is that I have spiritual moments and memories throughout my childhood, but it wasn't until I was 14 or 15 years old that I had this moment in which I realized all those things were leading me somewhere, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't just my moment of surrender where I understood what I was even doing. So I came to an understanding of that I needed a moment of surrender. And what I, what I realized is I've, over the years, have kind of tried to downplay the moment 
like, hey, it's okay, you know, people come to Jesus in different ways, and, you know, you know, if you, if you love them, it's great. But you know what I've realized is that there's so much confusion out there when people lack the moment. Whenever they never have the moment of surrender, and they just go, well, I kind of just grew up, like, always believing, and so I'm, yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, maybe. So I do acknowledge that people come to know Jesus in different ways, but for a lot of us, if you're in the space where I have a lot of confusion still in my mind, I'm trying to pull the pieces together, I don't have peace in my heart, I want to say to you that the moment matters, that the moment of surrender matters. And I remember having that moment because for so long, my questions about my past and my present defined my future. My thoughts and my fears kept me grounded in my questions instead of allowing the promises of the future to pull me into where he wanted me to go. The Holy Spirit loves each of us. He loved me enough. He loves you enough to keep pursuing us, to keep speaking to our heart until we finally surrender. And I remember thinking, what is everybody going to think? I mean, some people saw you get baptized. You've been coming to church every week for a year. All your friends think you got this figured out. And then all of a sudden you're going to go, you know what? I need to surrender to Jesus. My fears tried to stop me. My doubts tried to keep me grounded in the present. You see, the enemy wants you to be full of questions, full of anxiety, and full of fear to allow what's really going on within you to come out. So when I say what's really going on within you, the question is, will we, there's a lot going on within us that we don't talk about, and maybe today it's the time you finally talk about it and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the questions because I believe that the Lord pulls the piece. And here's what I've realized is that I actually gave the pieces of my puzzle to my Heavenly Father, and they're in much more capable hands now. He helps order who I'm becoming. He's pulling the pieces together in his timing because he's made a promise that he's going to carry on a good work that he started. And so if I can entrust my life and my questions to him, well, he is bigger than I thought anyway. And so my direct question to many of you today is, do you need a moment that clearly says, I surrender my life to Jesus? We don't do this every week, but this week we're doing it. Do you need a moment that says yes to God without any hesitation? Do you need a moment where from this point forward, you no longer have to wonder if you've done all that you need to do? (laughs) Do you need that moment? Maybe today, think about it this way. Maybe today, all that's happened in your life, maybe today was this moment that was like, I'm going to take everything that happened so that I can take your past, allow it to propel you into this very moment to lead you and pull you into who I originally intended you to be. Maybe this moment is your moment. For a life with Jesus to begin like never before. So when I say some of us feel further from revival 
and closer to confusion. I want you to hear something. A few weeks ago, I had a conversation with some friends. This was going on and on. They needed this moment. They had this moment. We prayed. They gave their life to Jesus. It was amazing. And in that moment, what I remembered thinking was revival is closer than we think. We think it's way off in the future. And it's actually just surrendered. It's just a moment of surrender. We feel so far from it, yet it's so close. So my friends, I want to give you an opportunity for your moment. If you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to find some peace. Maybe today a few things are making some more sense to you. God's pulling some pieces together. Today I want to invite you to make a choice to surrender your life to him and call Jesus Lord without any questions anymore in your mind. You don't have to look at your past spiritual memories or moments. If all they're creating is more questions than peace, then I would say you can find today peace in this moment. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus so he can pour out more life in you, it's a simple but truly significant statement that we declare to him. We say to him, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. There's nothing magical. There's no, there's no certain type of prayer we pray. We just say almost as if it's our heavenly father with his hand on our knees saying he understands us. We say to him, well, I give you my life. And so if you're ready and you want to pray that today, if you want to have your moment of clarity where you're giving the puzzle pieces of your life to God, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And you can just repeat this word, this sentence. Will you just say this right now, whisper it in your own, in your own way, right where you're sitting. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that to him. Jesus, I give you my life. You can go ahead and say that. Just whisper it to him. We're surrendering. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that out loud. Right to him right now. I want you to say one, a few more things. Now say, Jesus, I confess my sin and ask for forgiveness. Say, Jesus, I confess my sin and ask for forgiveness. We say this because we know that we are broken. This is our way of acknowledging his power and his holiness. So, Jesus, I confess my sin and I ask for forgiveness. And now I want you to say this. Say, I, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. This is him, this is you giving him the puzzles of your life, giving him your past, your present, and your future, your questions and your doubts, and saying, God, I know you got it all. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If this is your prayer today, if you've prayed these things, I do want to say a prayer over you now because this will be a moment that is sacred and holy and significant. It's a moment you can look back to and say, that's when I truly did this and I wanna pray for you. So if you just prayed that prayer, if you said, Jesus, I give you my life, Jesus, I surrender to you, no one's looking around, would you just, just confidently, boldly, just without fear, just lift your hand up wherever you're at if you just prayed that prayer. Go ahead. 
That is amazing. That's awesome. Go ahead and lift your hand real quick. I can see you. Amen. I'm going to pray over you. You just whispered that prayer. Father, thank you for those who in this moment have surrendered their life to you. Lord, I pray that for those who did give their life to you, Father, seal this moment. May this moment be planted in good soil where the decision grows roots of deep faith and deep love for you. Father, we trust you to lead and speak and transform. God, I pray for their future. May it be full of life and things that are bigger than they can imagine. More of you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just praise God for those who just even just prayed that prayer right now? If you just, if you did pray that prayer, we want to invite you to come and talk with us. We don't want you to just, it's always important to share that with someone. You can come to our prayer team. Our prayer team during our last couple songs here, we're going to sing a little bit. We're going to worship because he's worthy of worship today. Our prayer team's going to be over here. They'd love to pray with you, talk with you about anything. Maybe you have other prayer needs in your life. The altar is, of course, open for you to come and pray. Um, but we would love to talk with you before you leave today. And I would say we're not, we're, for those of us who have already had that moment, for those of us who are believers, I would also say that the same things that I said today applies to you, that God cares and God understands. God cares and God understands. And I think sometimes even after we surrendered our life to Jesus, we have to hear that. We have to know that. Perhaps today you have to return to that good news because sometimes it's so important to remember that God sees you, God loves you, and God has you. It's so important to know that, and it's so good and refreshing and encouraging. And revival, revival is just more of God in you and more of God around you. And revival is closer than you think. God cares, and he understands. I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to worship Lord. We love you. We thank you. I pray for each and every person in this room that they'd be filled with more of your love and more of your presence. So we ask your presence and even this room to just move freely. Holy Spirit, just have your way. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.